It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Keycard Monday has arrived in the NFL, and it's official. Scott Fitterer is officially out as the Carolina Panthers general manager. You are Locked On Panthers, your daily Carolina Panthers podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome into another edition of the Locked On Panthers podcast, a part of the Locked On Podcast Network. I'm your host, as always, Julian Council, talking Carolina Panthers with you every Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday. Your team every day. That's our motto here on the Locked On Podcast Network. Subscribe or follow the show for free on YouTube, where I am live right now, breaking down the breaking news that Carolina Panthers general manager Scott Fitter has been relieved of his duties. And this is what I'm going to do throughout the offseason. Anytime there's some big breaking news, I'm going to come up here as soon as I can live on YouTube. So be sure to follow and subscribe to the show on YouTube or wherever you listen to your favorite podcast in case you ever miss a live episode. And this episode of Blocktown Panthers is brought to you by Prize Picks. It's the easiest and most exciting way to play daily fantasy sports. Go to prizepicks.com slash locked on NFL and use code all lowercase locked on NFL for a first deposit match up to $100. Six weeks ago, the Carolina Panthers fired Frank Reich after a 1-10 in 10 start to the 2023 season. But one question remained. Why was Scott Fitterer still employed by the Carolina Panthers for six weeks? David Tepper made Scott Fitterer sit there knowing good and damn well he was not going to come back as the Panthers GM. All the reports on that Monday six weeks ago were that Scott Fitterer has been given no, no, no assurances that he would be back in 2024. Now, he held around for a little bit in 2024. He was there for the final game of the season, which happened to be played in the year 2024, but he will not be a part of the Carolina Panthers moving forward as Panthers owner David Tepper fired Scott Fitter on Monday. And I don't know if Tepper's going to talk at all this week. If he does, he's not going to answer any questions as to why Scott Fitter was fired, but it's very clear. We're going to go over it here on the show why Scott Fitter was fired during his three-year tenure as the Panthers general manager. The team is 14 and 37. I've talked about since doing this show, which was the beginning of the 2021 season. Now, really March 2021, but really the first season fully I covered was 2021, and the Panthers have only had 14 opportunities for me to come up here and have a live show breaking down a Carolina Panthers win, and Scott Fitterer has been the general manager throughout that entire time. Fitterer did not have roster control until this season, which is important to understand when breaking down this firing. Matt Rule had this final say with the 53 in 2021 and in 2022, but there's so many things that went wrong with the roster, which is Federer's job as a general manager and as someone who spent 20 years as a scout in the NFL, as a talent evaluator, to have a roster that looks as bad as the Carolina Panthers roster looked during this 2023 season, being the worst team in the NFL, the first 2-15 and team ever, as this was a third season of a 17-game schedule, that is unacceptable for someone to have the background of Scott Fitterer having been a scout for those 20 years in the NFL before coming to Carolina to be the Carolina Panthers general manager. I don't know why David Tepper waited until now. Maybe he was trying to punish Scott Fitterer for building a roster that was this bad. Maybe he needed him around to make some of the moves like they made 
as far as the practice squad and injured reserve and signing some other people off other practice squads, felt the roster for the final six weeks of the season. I don't really know. Tom Telesco was let go by the Chargers. We saw the same thing happen early on in the season with the Raiders letting go of their head coach and GM. I don't know why David Tepper waited to this point in time, but all we know now is that Scott Bitter will not be back in Carolina. And personally, I believe this is the right decision. I'm not going to sit here and revel in Scott Bitter being fired. I think it's unfortunate. A guy who worked as long as he did to get in his position, unfortunately, came to an organization that's owned by the worst owner in the NFL and who is overbearing and has way too much say in what happens in his organization. And Scott Bitter had to deal with that. But Scott also had his own shortcomings. And because of those shortcomings, he is no longer the GM here in Carolina. It's unfortunate. I hope he didn't pay dues at Longview this week or this year. So we'll see what happens with him moving forward, but he's not here in Carolina. And really, as far as we're concerned, that's the only thing that really matters. Now, why was Scott Fitterer fired? Three areas I want to look at. The draft, free agency, and trade. Starting off with the draft. Looking at the 2021 draft, the player that Scott Fitterer took, eighth overall, J.C. Horn, I think is an outstanding football player. The problem with J.C. Horn is, in three years, he has played 22 games and missed 29. So he's played 22 of a possible 51 games. He is an excellent player, but he is not available. When you look at the player drafted after J.C. Horn, Patrick Sertan, he has already been a pro bowler. It is an outstanding player in his own right in Denver. The difference is, he's actually available. While J.C. Horn is not available. It's not like J.C. Horn is trying to get injured, but it's unfortunate for Scott Fitter that one of your first-round picks, the first guy you ever took, has not been out there to help the team defensively on a week-in and week-out basis, and that is an issue. You look at the second round. Terrace Marshall was a healthy scratch for six straight weeks until Sunday. When he plays, he does not line up correctly, and that leads to a Raheem Blackshear touchdown run being called back. A man who can't do the fundamental things was a second-round pick and has never lived up to whatever expectations anyone had for him. He was injured coming to Carolina, so at least his rookie year, it's not like you could have expected too much out of him. Then last year in 2022, when he was there with DJ Moore, we started to see some signs. But quickly, when the new coaching staff came in, led by Frank Reich, they evaluated him and thought, you know what, we'd be better off with Jonathan Mingo, who's one of the worst Ole Miss receivers to be drafted in the last five years and was one of the worst receivers in the NFL as far as catch percentage goes as a rookie. That's who they felt like was better than Terrace Marshall and quite honestly can't blame them after looking what he did on Sunday in that loss against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Can't even line up correctly. Fundamental stuff, and that's someone who Scott Fitterer took in the second round. Brady Christensen. He's been a good player. He started 24 of the 34 games that he's appeared in, started all the games back during the 2022 season, unfortunately. Only started one game this season as he had a torn bicep that cost him the final 16 games of the year. A good player who probably has not played as much as you would have liked, but that's really due to one injury that he's had. Looking at the rest of that draft class, Tommy Trimble has worked his way up into the tight end one position. I think he's a good player, solid run blocker. He's developing as a pass catcher. Tommy Trimble... In the third round, that was a good pick by Scott Fitterer. Looking at day three, Chuba Hubbard has worked his way up as the running back one here in Carolina, in large part because of some of the failings in free agency, which we'll get to in a moment with Scott Fitterer. The final six picks of that 2021 draft class, 11 guys that they had. And Scott Fitterer, I was impressed by how he maneuvered the draft, where he's, he went in with, I believe, only six picks, came up with 11 selections. That is what you wanted to see, get more bites at the apple. But the final six picks of the 2021 draft, not a single one of those guys are on the active roster today. 
The only player that is still in Carolina is Deontay Brown, but he's on the practice squad. He has not been on the active roster at any point during his tenure here with the Carolina Panthers. That is a, well, I think he might have been at the end of one season, but still, he's been a practice squad guy for the majority of his time in Carolina. And Panther fans were upset about the whole Thomas Sanders deal, the long snapper from Alabama, and said, oh, you took a long snapper instead of taking Trey Smith. No, you took Deontay Brown, a guard, instead of taking Trey Smith. And one of the picks that the Carolina Panthers traded during that draft was was eventually sent to the Kansas City Chiefs, who took Trey Smith there to be their starting guard there in Kansas City. So the 2021 draft class, Horn's a good player, Marshall, Bust, Brady Christensen went healthy, good, Trimble, Hubbard, love them. The final six, not in Carolina, or if they are, they're a practice squad guy. A massive draft class that we were impressed by turned out to be a pretty big dud. Looking at 2022, Iki Aquanu, Carolina Panthers starting left tackle, was solid last year in 2022, but this past season allowed 19 sacks as an absolute liability at left tackle. And there's some serious concerns moving forward on what the Carolina Panthers do with Aquanu. Does he stay at tackle? Does he move to guard? What are you going to do with the offensive line? That was a position that you were hoping was finally solidified after spending about a decade in the wilderness trying to replace Jordan Gross. And it's possible you don't have a Jordan Gross replacement after looking at what, what Iki Aquanu did this season. They went up, traded for Matt Corral. After not being able to facilitate a trade for Baker Mayfield on night two of the draft, Matt Corral is not in the NFL right now. A terrible decision by Scott Fitter and the organization. Brandon Smith took him in the fourth round and was on the roster in 2022, was cut during training camp, currently is on the Eagles practice squad. He's not going to help the Carolina Panthers at all, obviously. Amari Barno, core special teamer, Cade Mays, backup guard, Kalen Barnes, they took in the seventh round out of Baylor, didn't make the team, not in, in the NFL right now. So looking at that draft class, Icky is the only contributor, really. Barno, because of special teams. Mays, because of the injuries this year. Not great returns. 2023, we talked about it last week. Bryce Young, he was the lowest-rated quarterback in the NFL this year, and there's so many reasons why that was the case. Not really trying to have a Bryce Young discussion right now, but you look at C.J. Stroud, he's going to be the NFL Offensive Rookie of the Year. The Texans won the division. We're going to have that conversation until we figure out whether Bryce Young truly is the answer long-term in Carolina. I'm willing to wait because he needs a better offensive line, needs a better coaching staff, better receivers, an actual run game that's consistent before I'm willing to go out there and say, oh, yeah, they totally got that one wrong. But right now, it looks like they got it wrong. But it's an organizational decision. That's one of the, the complicated things about evaluating Scott Fitterer. How many of these decisions were on him and how many were on David Tepper and his over-involvement? How many were on Matt Rule? How many were on the coaching staff wanting these specific players? But still, as a GM, you're overseeing the personnel side of things in Carolina and the draft classes were not good enough. Mingo had a third-worst catch percentage among NFL receivers this season. That is embarrassing for his second-round pick. DJ Johnson, a goose egg in sacks, and he's 25 years old, going to be 26 as a project edge rusher. Terrible decision to trade up for him. Chandler Zavala was an absolute liability at guard this season. Missed time of knee injury. Jamie Robinson only played 64 snaps on defense as a rookie. Safety. You look at the draft overall during Scott Fitterer's time, 13 of 22 draft picks are on the active roster. If you exclude the 2023 draft, it's 8 of 17. So he's missing on more than half of his picks. And you look at day three, only three out of the 11 day three picks, that's the fourth, the fifth, the sixth, and the seventh round, that's in 2021 and 2022. Looking at those years, three out of the 11 
from 2021 and 2022 day three picks are still here. And only Chuba Hubbard is a starter. Cade Mays, Amari Barno, as we talked about, they are reserves. And their futures in Carolina are certainly not solid with a new GM coming in and a new coaching staff. And Deontay Brown also was taken as a day three pick during 21 and 22. He is a practice squad player. So three of the 11 on the active roster, one of the 11 actually a key contributor. That is embarrassing. That is how you're able to build your team with cheap, inexpensive players in day three. Yes, round one, round two, round three, those have the utmost importance, but you got to be able to find those diamonds in the rough. And so far, the Panthers, at least not so far, during Scott Fitter's tenure, they weren't able to do that, which is one of the reasons why Scott Fitter is no longer here in Carolina. Looking at free agency, one of the first moves Scott Fitterer did as a Carolina Panthers general manager in free agency was to sign Cam Irving and Pat Elfline in the first few minutes of free agency. Two of the five lowest rated offensive linemen, according to Pro Football Focus, during the 2020 season. Those were the fixes to a hellacious Carolina Panthers offensive line heading to 2021. As we saw, Cam Irving, turnstile, Pat Elfline, god-awful at guard, a little bit better at center, but still not a good player at all, and currently not in the NFL. Those were his two, his first two signings in free agency. I don't understand what he saw. He understood the need on the offensive line, but he went out there, got cheap players that turned out to just be terrible for the Carolina Panthers. He signed Denzel Perryman, which is a good signing, but for whatever reason, wasn't a culture fit. Matt Rule didn't want him here, and he was traded during training camp. As we saw that season, Denzel Perryman went on to be a pro bowler in Las Vegas. Jermaine Carter Jr. struggled mightily at linebacker. They should have kept him good signing, but didn't stick around. There were a couple good ones, though, in 2021. He signed Hassan Reddick but did not, resign, did not re-sign him the following offseason as the Carolina Panthers were focused on trading for Deshaun Watson. He signed Dan Arnold only to trade him after playing three games in Carolina for a trade we're going to talk about in a moment. Signed Frankie Louvu. It was really Phil Snow who identified him, which again, complicated when you look at who actually was making these decisions because they always talk about collaboration. But again, Scott Fitterer, you're the one who oversees all the personnel. You make these decisions at the end of the day. He... Signed Frankie Louvu, who's been an outstanding player in Carolina. I hope he gets paid. We'd love it for, for it to be here in Carolina. But I want Frankie to get paid the most money he can get paid because it's the last time he gets a chance to get paid. And would rather him go somewhere and win than come back here and lose and not get paid the most amount of money. But that was probably the best acquisition of Scott Fitter's tenure and the extension of Robbie Anderson. Another one of those things where, did you have to give him that much money? I know Matt Rule wanted it, but that is what you want to give Robbie Anderson, who's now known as Robbie Chosen and doesn't even play for the Miami Dolphins. 2022, solid signings. Xavier Woods, Austin Corbett, they were good players. Bradley Bozeman turned out to be a good player that season, earned an extension, did not play well at all this year. You wonder what his future is going to be in Carolina moving forward. Johnny Hecker was good. Deontay Foreman was outstanding when he took over as the top running back in Carolina, but was not retained. They could have had him for $3 million. Instead, he decided, let's go out there and sign Miles Sanders, which gets me into the 2023 free agent class. This was really the first time Scott Fitterer had roster control. 21, 22, Matt Rule and his contract had the final say into 53. You can point at several players, which I just did, that were clearly Matt Rule picks and Matt Rule staff picks. But in 2023, this was Scott Fitter's opportunity to take over and show his ability to identify and bring in talent to Carolina. He signed Shai Tuttle and Deshaun Williams to make an impact at defensive tackle. 
they did not make much of an impact. I thought Nick Thurman honestly played better than those guys at points this season. LeBron Ray, he was out there, made a couple of impacts. But overall, the defensive tackles, not named Derrick Brown, left a lot to be desired this season. Deshaun Williams, you can look at it. That's an Ajero Averro guy. Likely why he's here in Carolina. But still, Shai Tuttle, that signing did not pan out so far. Von Bell was solid at safety when healthy, but missed a couple of games. Hayden Hurst, Miles Sanders, DJ Chark are probably the worst signings during Scott Fitter's tenure other than Pat Elfline and Cam Irving. Like those five worst signings for Scott Fitter. But in 2023, a season where you had an opportunity to show your prowess, that, those are the guys you brought in. Hurst, did not work out at all. Miles Sanders, do Staley pick, but still, you just have to sign him to a four-year, $25 million deal. DJ Chark, Frank Reich wanted him. He was god-awful. Adam Thielen was an outstanding decision. But overall, free agency, there were some hits, there were some misses, but left a lot to be desired. But the one thing that we mainly look at when Scott Fitter is the trades. The first big trade Scott Fitter made, and if you've been listening to Locked On Panthers since day one, I appreciate you. The first episode I ever did, I came out and said why it did not make any sense at all to trade for Sam Darnold, a quarterback who was god-awful in New York, was not going to be better, threw a bunch of picks his last year at USC, did not look like he could play in the NFL with the Jets, and sure, it's the Jets. But the man cannot play. We just watched him fumble away the game yesterday against the Rams. He stinks. But the Carolina Panthers decided that they wanted Sam Darnold. Scott Fitter traded away a second, a fourth, and a sixth pick for a player the Jets were moving on from. They were going to get Zach Wilson, who somehow is worse than Sam Darnold. It was so clear to everyone in the NFL that Sam Darnold was gone. And instead of giving Maybe just a six-round pick. Scott Fitter gave up a second, a fourth, and a six-round pick for a player who cannot play football at this level. And then turned around and picked up his fifth-year option. Now, if you're going to give up that much draft compensation, you might as well give the guy two years by picking up his fifth-year option. But the problem in the first place is trading for a bad player, but then giving up that much for a bad player in Sam Darnold. That was a hellacious trade. He traded away Denzel Perryman, as we talked about, but that was more of a Matt Rule decision. The trade for C.J. Henderson, which was a panic move, and that really just kind of encompasses what Scott Fitter did as a general manager in Carolina. Just panic move after panic move after panic move. J.C. Horn goes down. That's unfortunate. Then they trade for C.J. Henderson, who had been a top 10 pick, fell to favor there in Jacksonville on a second coaching staff. Urban Meyer, we understand, complete dunce, didn't have any business being in the NFL, but he gave up a third-round pick and his pass catching tight end, who Sam Darnold had built a pretty good rapport with. And in that same game where they lost J.C. Horn, they lost Christian McCaffrey. And throughout the preseason, who was the other guy we heard about having a great connection with Sam Darnold? Dan Arnold. So to trade him away and give up a third-round pick for a player who ended up not being anything at all did not help. And Scott Fitter came out and said, this is not a win-now move. This is for the future. Well, the future came, and C.J. Henderson was a healthy scratch for two of the last three games of the season and was awful when they needed him most back in Week 17 of the 2022 season against the Bucks. Not a good player. Knocked me in Carolina. A complete dud when it comes to that trade. Baker Mayfield. I don't have a problem with the fifth-round pick they gave up. It was conditional. Worked out to where Baker didn't play the, the enough enough snaps for that to turn into a fourth-round pick. But not getting that trade done on night two, the 2022 draft, I hated that. And then deciding to trade up to get Matt Corral, who's not even in the league, 
another panic move by Scott Fitter and his organization. LaVishka Chenault, they gave up a seventh round and a sixth round pick for a guy who's not very good. Uh, not getting a first round pick for Christian McCaffrey, I suppose. Now they got four picks, but the way that they use those picks, one of them, Moving up to get Bryce Young, not really a problem there, but using two of them to trade up for DJ Johnson. Like, what the hell are you doing? Giving up DJ Moore in a trade up for Bryce Young. The Bears say that they weren't going to do that deal unless they got DJ Moore, but understanding that, okay, you're going to trade up and get a quarterback, but not have a receiver to help him out. And we saw how that played out this season. And this is one where I'm happy to have Burns here, but the fact that Federer never extended him, why did you not trade him? Back in 2022 at the trade deadline, could have got two first-round picks and a third-round pick from the Rams. That did not happen. So that is why Scott Fitter is not here. It's a little bit complicated because we're not quite sure all the moves that Fitter actually made. But looking at it, man, that ain't good at all. The draft failed there big time. Free agency had some good signings, but overall, meh. And then trades, just an embarrassment. And that's why Scott Fitter is no longer the general manager in Carolina. The right move by David Tepper here in Carolina. So now that Fitter is gone, we know the Carolina Panthers need a head coach. Who are the candidates to be the next general manager? And is any of the guys internally up for the job? We'll talk about that here in just a moment on Locked on Panthers. The NFL regular season has wrapped up, but there's still time to get in on the action with FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook right now. New customers get $150 in bonus bets guaranteed when you place a $5 bet. That's $150 in bonus bets. Win or lose. The app is so easy to use, and there are so many different ways to bet, like live same game parlays, find bets in the new Explore tab, make a parlay in the Parlay Hub, the best way to find popular you guessed it, parlays, and much more. So visit FanDuel.com slash locked on and make your first bet a layup. FanDuel, official partner of the NFL. Is your team eliminated from the playoffs and in need of reinforcements? Maybe it's time for a rebuild, or maybe they're just a player or two away from taking home the Lombardi Trophy. Either way, join Keith Sanchez and Damian Parson for Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. They'll tell you which college football stars your team will be taking in the 2024 NFL Draft. Check out Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Panthers general manager Scott Fitter has been relieved of his duties here on Black Monday in the NFL. Key card Monday, as I love to call it. Sold that from Bomani Jones. I thought it was hilarious. Key card Monday. Makes a lot of sense. Uh, you walk in there. Key card's not working. Did not work for Scott Fitter. And I'm sure it's not going to work for a lot of other men in the organization. Carolina. Just looking at my phone real quick to see if there have been any other announcements Nope, not seeing anything. 11.30, as we are live right now, we're on YouTube, 180 people live with me here at 10.22 on Monday morning, uh, January 8th. 11.30 is when they're going to have their press availabilities. So should hear, I assume, from Chris Tabor, the interim head coach, Bryce Young. And they, last year, they had a lot of guys talk, like Cam Newton. Well, whenever Cam was here, he, he was talking a lot. Uh, was That was not last year, was it? It was 21. That was 21. Um, but either way, they, the Panthers are going to probably have a lot of people out there uh, talking about the season and we'll get their perspective. And this is an emergency episode. Depending on what we get from the press conferences today, I'll probably put out another episode later on tonight on YouTube, and then that one will be available for everybody um, on Tuesday. So likely going to get like six episodes this week. 
MLK Day is coming up next Monday. I'm going out of town, so you're not going to get a full week of shows. So probably need to do six this week just to make up for that. Just give you a heads up. But um, yeah, that's where we're sitting here as we're breaking out. Scott Fitter no longer being the general manager here in Carolina. So who are the candidates? And it's interesting because like with a head coach, it's a little bit easier to kind of identify. Like last year with Steve Wilkes, you saw him as a head coach. You saw how the players reacted to him. I thought it was pretty easy to make a case for Steve Wilkes to be the head coach in Carolina. You also look at what some of the offensive coordinators, defense coordinators are able to do and how the players talk about them. It's pretty easy to identify who could be head coaching candidates. It's a little bit more difficult when it comes to general managers because you don't really know what kind of role that some of these assistant GMs or some of these player personnel guys actually play within the organization and who they said, oh, this is the guy that you got to go out there and get. You don't really know. So it's more difficult to really kind of read between the lines, figure out who should be a candidate and who will be a candidate. But according to Adam Schefter, and we talked about this on the show on Sunday following the Carolina Panthers' loss to the Buccaneers, he came out and said the Panthers' assistant general manager, Dan Morgan, also has support within the organization, according to sources. And Jeremy Fowler, also of ESPN, he came out and said this about David Tepper and his search for a general manager before this even was True. He said Tepper is known to value analytics, so that could be a factor in any search. And it's possible he hires a coach before he decides anything on a general manager front. Several in-house candidates have plenty of experience, including Vice President of Football Operations, Samir Suleiman, Assistant General Manager Dan Morgan, and Vice President of Player Personnel, Adrian Wilson. Now, Adrian Wilson came last offseason. He's fairly new to Carolina. He came over from Arizona. Dan Morgan, as we know, was in Seattle under John Snyder, the general manager. And, of course, Scott Fitter was there at the time. He went to Buffalo to be with former Panthers assistant GM and the guy who I wish was a GM now, Brandon Bean, before coming back to Carolina to work as the assistant general manager under Scott Fitter. So he's been in several organizations, Seattle, that has had a ton of success, having got one to Super Bowl, been to another Super Bowl during John Snyder's tenure as a general manager and, of course, Pete Carroll's tenure as head coach, having gone to Buffalo, seeing how they built around a young quarterback in Josh Allen, and now the Bills are the number two seed in the AFC, and they're red hot, possibly a favorite to get to the Super Bowl and maybe win it. That would be my nightmare, but it's possible. But Dan Morgan's seen successful organizations. He's been a part of a successful organization here in Carolina as a player back when Jerry Richardson was the owner. And Marty Herney, I believe, was the general manager back then as well. So he's seen how to win. But also, I wonder, what exactly has Morgan been doing behind the scenes here in Carolina. Like, how much of these bad decisions have been him saying, yeah, I like that idea. Did he like Bryce Young's? Everyone apparently was unanimous, so I'm going to guess he was. How did he feel about some of these decisions that were made? Like, Samir Suleiman, he has been the cap guy in Carolina. He's been the contract man. Dude, like, what? The money that you gave out to Miles Sanders, some of the deals have been done. It's... It's an eyebrow raiser. So I'm just curious. Of the internal candidates, it sounds like Morgan has the best chance to get the job. And I think he would be the sentimental favorite from the fan base because he played here and was an outstanding player. And he's been around the block to some good organizations before coming here to Carolina. I just wonder, does David Tepper want to do a complete clean slate? And if he hires someone from the outside, and they're going to do the Rooney rule, that whole thing has to play out as well. So he's going to talk to external t- candidates anyways that are minorities, but even external candidates that aren't uh, across the NFL. So it's, those guys are going to get a chance to interview, I assume. Um, but I don't think it's as simple as you looked at what happened in Baltimore when their general manager steps down where they already had a guy in Eric DeCasa who they're clearly going to hire. Same thing with Pittsburgh when they had Omar Khan. It's not as simple here in Carolina. Like, those are winning organizations. This is an organization that is not one, and I've 
I've appreciated how the front office has been built, but I'm just wondering, do any of these guys truly deserve to be the next general manager? Not saying that they don't, just looking at they've been complicit in having the worst roster in the NFL, being the first 2-15 and team. They have been a part of that. Does David Tepper not just want to wash his hands of all that, bring somebody in who can then bring in their own people, and it would be unfortunate to lose some of these guys. I'm just wondering, like Samir Sulman, Dan Morgan, Adrian Wilson, likely going to be on a lot of lists as far as general manager candidates. They have been in the past. Don't know if they're going to be hot candidates now that the Panthers are, you know, terrible. That's just one thing to consider. But it looks like Dan Morgan's probably the uh, top candidate internally here in Carolina, and there's some, some momentum there. We'll see how it plays out. But Joe Person, he brought this up. That Tepper interviewed 15 candidates before Fader was hired back in 2021. I talked about this last year, looking at the Carolina Panthers coaching search. I appreciate the process. He cast a wide net, talked to far more people, did not get just stuck on one, even though it sounded like that's who he wanted was Ben Johnson, but he at least talked to more individuals, opposed to what happened the first time around with Matt Rule, where he just ended the search early, just stopped talking to people. It wasn't very calculated in the manner that he went about it. So I appreciated how he did it, and I appreciated how he went about the general manager interviews and the search a couple years ago. Now, David Tapper is going to use Sportsology, the same search firm that he used to hire Dean Smith, the newly appointed manager there for Charlotte FC. It's the same uh, sports firm or search firm he's going to use to find a head coach. He's going to use him for the head coach and general manager search. We'll see how all that plays out. Now, I believe they're just going to give him – they're going to look at some things organizationally and structurally to give David Tepper an idea of who would work here. But also, David Tepper does not have to take their advice. He can hire whoever he feels comfortable hiring. So understand that in the end. Optically, okay, cool. David Tepper's taking a step back. But is he? Is he? Is he going to listen to whatever they recommend? I have little reason to believe that will be the case. But Tepper interviewed 15 candidates before Fitter was hired last time around, several of whom have since become general managers elsewhere. One candidate from 2021 who Joe Person believes that people should keep their eye on is Kansas City Chiefs Vice President of Football Operations, Brant Tillis, who has a background in analytics, which is importance to to David Tepper. He has salary cap management as well, which you already have with Samir Suleiman, and roster strategy. Kansas City, as we know, very good organization. Two-time Super Bowl champs the last four years. Patrick Mahomes has been great. Now, one key problem they have is they have no wide receivers, which is insane that they would think that, oh, hey, we have Patrick Mahomes. Let's not have anybody he can throw the ball to other than Travis Kelsey. So that's a guy from a winning organization. I typically have these things go. Oh, let's see who, who wins. Let's see who does a good job drafting. Let's go find someone in front of the organization and bring him in. That's what they did with Scott Fitterer, and it did not work out, I think, a large part because of – the head coach they hired in the first place, Matt Rule, and because of the owner, has no idea what he's doing, and he's overly involved. Now, there's a couple other names out there that were put out by Jeremy Fowler and by Dan Graziano of ESPN.com. So here are some of the ones that Dan Graziano put out there. 49ers assistant general manager Adam Peters, who I believe interviewed back in 2021. Now, John Lynch has been promoted to president of football operations, so it looks like Peters will probably be the GM in San Francisco. It would be wise for him to stay there. Uh, Bears assistant general manager Ian Cunningham is another name. Ravens director of player personnel uh, Joe Horditz. Seahawks assistant general manager Nolan Teasley. Don't think they're going to go back to Seattle. Colts assistant general manager Ed Dobbs. Browns assistant general manager Catherine Reich. Oh, okay. Uh, Eagles assistant general manager Alex Halibai. Eagles VP of Football Administration Jake Rosenberg and Chiefs Assistant General Manager Mike Borgonzi. Those are some of the names. And then Fowler had some other ones too. 
Browns assistant general manager Glenn Cook. Did I? Ever, I don't think I even said his name yet. Uh, since assistant general manager, vice president of football operations, Kai Harley. There's like forty. There's so many names out there. You're gonna see a list. I think Jonathan Jones, CBS Sports. He annually puts out a big list of general manager candidates and of those names that are listed. Those will be the people who will interview, and likely one of them will end up being the general manager here in Carolina. But how attractive is this job? The Carolina Panthers do not own the number one overall pick in the NFL draft. They have a rookie quarterback who was the lowest-rated quarterback in the league. Now, not necessarily all fault of his own, but because of the surrounding roster. So there's a lot to fix here in Carolina. And you have to deal with David Tepper. So how attractive is the Panthers' job? We'll talk about that here in just a moment on Locked on Panthers. Price Picks is the most fun you'll have winning up to 25 times your money this football season. You select two or more players, pick more or less on the projected stats, and place your entry. With the basketball season here, you can now pick combo projections across football and basketball from the Specials League, a league created specifically for combo projections that includes two or more players from different sports or leagues. For example, LeBron James plus Travis Kelsey at a 10.5 combo of three-pointers made plus receptions. Price Picks is really simple to play. You can make your picks and submit your entry in less than 60 seconds it's that easy y'all quick withdrawals easy gameplay and an enormous selection of players and stat types what make price picks the number one daily fantasy sports app go to pricepicks.com slash locked on nfl and use code locked on nfl for your first deposit match up to 100 that's pricepicks.com slash locked on nfl and use code locked on nfl for your first deposit match up to 100 dollars Is your team eliminated from the playoffs and in need of reinforcements? Maybe it's time for a rebuild, or maybe they're just a player or two away from taking home the Lombardi Trophy. Either way, join Keith Sanchez and Damian Parson for Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. They'll tell you which college football stars your team will be taking in the 2024 NFL Draft. Check out Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Shout out to the 228 people live with me right now on the Locked On Panthers YouTube channel. Again, I will be going live anytime there's any big breaking news. So when the Panthers hire a general manager, I'll be live. When they hire a head coach, I'll be live. When they do anything crazy other than that, I'm going to come up here and be live as soon as I can. Like last year, I was in Arizona my job at NASCAR, uh, covering the race out there when the Panthers decided that they want to trade up to number one to get DJ Moore. Or, sorry, <laughs> they traded away DJ Moore, but traded number one to get Bryce Young. It was a while, but as soon as I got back to the hotel later that night, I was live. So anytime there's any kind of big news, you can always expect me at some point in time, soon after, or at some point in that day, to come up, be live, and to talk about the Panthers and what they decided to do. Now, talking about Scott Fitter, no longer general manager here in Carolina, the Panthers were 14-37 and 37 during his three-year tenure. He, spelled, he failed spectacularly in the draft. Free agency was a little bit better, but not good enough. And, of course, the trades were just brutal. And that are those are the reasons why he's no longer here in Carolina. Talk about some of the candidates, and we'll get more of a finite list coming up here over the next couple of weeks as that really kind of comes into focus. And it'll be interesting, too, because one of the reports – has been stated that they may go get a head coach before they get a general manager. I feel like what will make more sense is go get your GM, then your head coach. Maybe there's a head coach out there who 
there's a general manager that they like that they want to pair with after they get hired. It's possible that could be the situation. I think about the Raiders when they hired Josh McDaniels. He was a big guy, fan of Dave Ziegler, so those two guys uh, paired up. Obviously, it did not work out in Las Vegas, mainly because McDaniels is a terrible coach and also a horrible guy to have to work with um, as far as coaching goes on field habits and practice habits. But I just think traditionally, and it doesn't have to be traditional, traditionally you want to go get your GM and have your GM hire the head coach. But it feels like they're going to go out there and try to get Ben jo- He wants Ben Johnson. So he's not. if he's going to get ben, ben Johnson, then he's going to have Ben Johnson have a say who the general manager is. But then I wonder, is that David Tepper just putting himself in a situation similar to Matt Rule? Not saying that Ben Johnson can be Matt Rule, that he can't handle – professionals because he's been working in the NFL. He hasn't been a college head coach, completely different situation. But he talked about, David Tepper talked about, when he fired Matt Rule, that he didn't want to have a situation like he had before where a head coach had too much control. And when a head coach is hired first, it just feels like that's a guy who's going to have a say in the GM. Now, I guess you could go vice versa. Like, well, you hired a general manager. Don't they have more control? Well, the GM's job is to bring in the players. And the coach's job is to coach the team and to be the leader of the team. So just two different roles. It'll be interesting to see how that plays out. I just thought that was uh, something that stood out to me from some of the reporting that's come out uh, so far here in Carolina and across the NFL now that Scott Fitter is no longer the general manager here. Uh, but how attractive is a job? And that's a question that a lot of people are going to ask themselves. And we've been asking ourselves this probably since the day Frank Reich was fired <laughs> and that Scott Fitter was retained. We knew that eventually he was not going to be the general manager here in Carolina. So how attractive really is the job? David Tepper has now employed Ron Rivera, Perry Fuel, Matt Rule, Steve Wilkes, Frank Reich, and Chris Tabor as head coaches on a full-time and an interim basis. So that's six coaches in six years, and then it will be seven coaches in seven seasons once he hires a coach here in the next month or so. So we've seen there's a ton of turnover. When you look at general managers with the Carolina Panthers, he had Marty Herney to start off with, moved off of him, hired Scott Fitter. Now he's going to have his third general manager heading into his seventh season as the Panthers owner. Looking at Charlotte FC, he had 18 months to find a head coach. Soccer, a global game. You can go all across the world and scour the globe to find a suitable manager for an MLS franchise. Not the same thing in the NFL. Pretty much America. And the NFL, and maybe some guys in college, that is your talent pool. Soccer, the entire freaking world is your is your talent pool. He hired Miguel Angel Ramirez, who lasted a total of 14 matches, complete narcissist, and that did not work out at all. Christian Latanzio, who was his assistant, was elevated as the interim. He was kept on, and the Charlotte FC team dropped the most points in a leading position in MLS and caused them to miss the playoffs. I know they made the whole, like, play on thing that's bull they didn't make the playoffs so Latangio's not there they just newly appointed Dean Smith with the help of Sportsology the uh, search firm so that's three head coaches with the soccer team football team too uh at seven head coaches with the football team coming up and that now will be three general managers all this man knows is turmoil and we saw last Sunday him in the booth in Jacksonville throwing a drink on a fan and Scott Fitter just sitting there and just not reacting at all because clearly Scott Fitter had seen that before and Scott Fitter knew that Eight more days, eight more days, and I am rid of this man. And I'm sure Scott Fitter is disappointed, but probably a little bit happy. He doesn't have to deal with David Tepper anymore. But as far as the attractiveness of the job, aside from the owner being the worst owner owner in the NFL and the, the Panthers having gone from a respectable franchise, and that's what they were. Under Richardson, they were respectable. They went to the two Super Bowls, went to the playoffs, not annually, but they won enough. They had some good players that Panther fans still love. They were a respectable franchise. They weren't a franchise that anyone league-wide really cared about because we are located in Charlotte, unfortunately. Not unfortunately. I love my city. But 
you know how the NFL works. The NFC East, they could be awful. And they're on top of the Cowboys all day long, no matter what. We, we know how it works out. Big markets, that's what the major networks care about. Charlotte, just never going to be, unless the Panthers get like a Pat Mahomes and their Super Bowl contender, it's just not going to be a team that's going to be talked about consistently. But they were respectable. Now they're a freaking laughingstock because of the owner and the way he conducts himself and the way he runs business here in Carolina on the football side. So you got to deal with that. That's not attractive at all, especially when you have to be in the booth and he's going to react to losing in that manner. You look at the draft picks this year, as we know, the Carolina Panthers do not own their first-round pick. That belongs to Chicago. It is the number one overall pick in the NFL draft. That is tough. But the rest of the picks, the Panthers own pick 33 overall, which is a second-round pick. They own uh, their third-round pick, which is 65th overall. They own their fourth-round pick. They own San Francisco's fifth-round pick, Tennessee's fifth-round pick, Arizona's sixth-round pick. So that's six picks heading into the draft. Not enough for a team that needs cheap, inexpensive, talented players, and really a team that needs to identify those cheap, inexpensive, talented players in the draft. So you're coming in a situation where you don't have a first-round pick, and I don't think a first-round pick is necessarily a magical elixir to the Carolina Panthers' problems heading into 2024. I don't think it's going to be a team that's going to be competing for a division title or for a Super Bowl, obviously, in 2024. So not having a first-round pick, it doesn't help. But I don't think it's like that big of a deal. Like it's not great. If you, it's a big deal in a way because it's like, oh, we don't have the first round number one overall. That's why people are really upset, obviously. But it's one of those things where it's like, okay, that's only one player, and we've seen only one player. We have first round picks that have been in Carolina. Moore not here anymore. McCaffrey not here anymore. Burns might not be here anymore. So all they do is trade them away, anyways. They don't retain these guys. But it's one. It's one player. Now, one player can help change a franchise, but it's not going to be a quarterback that they're taking number one overall. So I don't think it's something to be that hung up on. But it's unfortunate, and it's certainly going to make it a little bit diff- more difficult to find somebody to come in here and take this job knowing that they only have six picks and they don't have that first-round pick. Also, they don't have a second-round pick in 2025 because of that trade with the Bears. There's also contract decisions to be made. Like, what are you going to do with Brian Burns? Seems pretty simple. You place a tag on him. Well, really, you slap the tag on him because placing would mean that you're going to likely sign him. Uh, slapping it, you never know what the deal is going to be there. So we have to make a decision on that. Uh, Derek Brown, he's extension eligible. He's got his fifth-year option that they've already t- picked up. He's going to be playing on that in 2024. He's someone that I would want to get paid soon because you saw how things have played out Brian Burns. Uh, Icky Kwanu, the offensive line as a whole, what are you going to do with that? The receiving talent or lack thereof, you have a guy like Adam Thielen. If you listen to him in the locker room following the game on Sunday, he sounds like he does not want to be here. And he had a hell of a season, over 100 receptions, 1,000 yards. At age 33, if I'm him, I want the hell out of here too. He said, I only have so much time left. And he came here to be with Frank Reich, believing that they complete, they could contend for a division title this year, that they would go to the playoffs, and then they come back next year with Super Bowl aspirations, which is insane that he ever thought that. Like maybe competing for a division title this year, but that they were going to turn around in 24 and be a Super Bowl contender. That was not going to happen. But uh, I don't know. He was sold a bill of lies there, but Adam Thielen clearly does not want to be here. And the Panthers maybe they get something for him and they should, it's probably gonna be a day three pick, but trade him away. Hayden Hurst. Hope he just retires honestly for his own sake, but you got to decide what to do with him. Miles Sanders. There's contracts for Austin Corbett. Who's been injured back, back years now. And if it's not going to be an internal hire, you got to wonder external guys probably not going to want to keep around an offensive guard. Who's a good player, but have back to back knee injuries. And then you can kind of get out of that deal. Taylor Moten. I think he's going to stick around. We can do a center. And there's just so many questions with the roster that need to be figured out. So you don't have a lot of draft picks to do it. You're going to have to go out in free agency, let the Panthers have the do, and go sign some cheap free agents to fill some of those holes. Where you should be filling the holes, 
via the draft, but you only have six draft picks. And only two of them are in day one or two of the draft. So I don't find it to be a tracking job right now. Looking at the general manager jobs that are open, the Charger job, I think is number one. Uh, the Raiders job I put ahead of this. Uh, just head coach and GM, the, this is the least attractive job because of the draft pick situation and really I mean, the roster, how it's currently constructed, and, of course, the ownership here in Carolina. And that's a tough situation to be in Carolina. They're going to find somebody who is going to be certainly, uh, I think, capable of doing the job and qualified to do the job, but will that be this, the best person for the job? That still remains to be seen. But Scott Fitterer, no longer the general manager in Carolina. The right decision, clean slate, makes the most sense moving forward. Expect the head coach to be hired before a general manager, but don't expect that head coach to be Ben Johnson, according to some of the sources out there so far in the NFL. All right, it's going to wrap up this edition of the Lockdown Panthers podcast, part of the Lockdown Podcast Network, hosted by yours truly, Julian Council. Again, y'all, subscribe follow the show for free on YouTube, where I have 206 people right now live watching the show. Appreciate everyone who's tuned in live with me. I'll be live anytime there's some big breaking news this offseason. You can always check out the podcast wherever you listen to your favorite podcast, free and available everywhere. And be sure to follow me, Julian Council, on Twitter, at Julian Council, where on Fridays throughout the entirety of the offseason, I'll be answering your weekly Friday mailbag questions, either at me or DM me. But follow me first on Twitter, at Julian Council, to get those questions in to me now. But in the meantime, be safe. Be happy, be whole, as always, keep pounding, and I will talk to y'all, I believe, later tonight, maybe, Tuesday, not quite sure. We'll see how things play out, but I'll talk to you pretty soon. Is your team eliminated from the playoffs and in need of reinforcements? Maybe it's time for a rebuild, or maybe they're just a player or two away from taking home the Lombardi Trophy. Either way, join Keith Sanchez and Damian Parson for Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. They'll tell you which college football stars your team will be taking in the 2024 NFL Draft. Check out Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey, Prime members, you can listen to this Locked On Podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today. 